In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. I hope you'll permit me to take a pretty narrow focus of this morning for this Christmas meditation. I'd like to think about one word in Paul's, uh, in, in the section from Paul today. Paul begins uh, this verse by, in the NRSV, saying, the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior reveal himself. I'm not sure that those are the best translations. I'm not going to really quarrel, except I want to talk about the, the term that the NRSV translates here, loving kindness. The, the Greek here is a word that's become familiar to us in English. It's uh, philanthropia or philanthropy. It means literally the loving or affection for humankind. And in other translations, it's uh, love towards a man, love toward us, love for mankind, or generous love. That's what I want that's what I want to focus on today because that's what is revealed to us at Christmas. Paul's language here, it's unique and it's, it's extraordinary. This is the only time that Paul calls Jesus God's philanthropia, God's love for humans. Now, what's worth noting here is that the normal word for love in the New Testament, as I'm sure most of you are familiar, is not this one. In John's gospel and in his letters, what moves God so much that he sends his son is agape. God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Paul uses the term as well elsewhere. And the lexicons depict agape as a deep, considered volitional kind of love. God so loved that he gave. But the stem that communicates the love part of philanthropia, the phil is love and anthropia is humankind. The stem that communicates the love part of philanthropia is the simpler phil. This term, the lexicons describe as a lesser kind of love, more like friendship love, more like fondness, more like affection. It's more tender, less volitional, closer to natural affection. And sometimes less is more. As my friend Steve Brown likes to say, God doesn't just love you. He's rather fond of you. He likes you. I mean, he likes having you around. Now, my, um, every Christmas I do a little geeked out reading that's seasonal. And this year, one of the things that I spent time reading was a piece that, was, uh, that I read in college. Well, you know, you know the, the saying, youth is wasted on the young? I had no idea when I, when I read Aeschylus's Prometheus Bound when I was in college what a profound piece of literature it was. So um, I, I read it this year because I found out that the first appearance of the word philanthropia is in the beginning of Aeschylus's Prometheus Bound. The hero of Aeschylus's Prometheus Bound 
is tied to a rock on the side of a mountain with a bird eating at its guts. Why? Well, Zeus, the father god, is mad at Prometheus because Prometheus brought fire to humans, showing too much philanthropia, too much affection for the likes of you and me, and for that he had to be punished. Here's the way this play opens. Attend to the instructions of the father, that is Zeus, to bind this criminal to the high rocky cliffs in unbreakable fetters, for he stole the gleam of fire that makes all skills attainable and gave it to mortals. For such an offense, he must assuredly pay his penalty to the gods to teach him that he must accept the tyranny of Zeus and abandon his human loving, his philanthropic ways. Now, Prometheus's fault wasn't just that he thought we needed to learn how to use fire with all the possibilities that involved warming our homes, extending our waking hours, cooking our food. The gift of fire was but the icing on the cake of this son of God's affection for humans, frail as they are. Prometheus taught, he says, he taught humans astronomy, mathematics, animal husbandry and horsemanship, sailing and mining, dream interpretation, reading the signs of the gods' will in nature. Too much of an interest in flourishing and the, the giving of fire was just uh, the icing on the cake, the tip of the iceberg, the camel that broke, the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> Got to bed really late last night, had to sleep real fast. <laughs> just too much of an interest in their flourishing, despite the fact that their existence is, in the Greek, ephemeral. That is, but for a day. On Christmas night, friends, God announced his favor, not to kings and princes, lords and ladies, but to no account, smelly shepherds in a field. It was a world that didn't care a fig for the poor. Our friend from heaven came to call them especially blessed. All of them, from kings and queens to smelly shepherds, have the same fate. Their existence is ephemeral. It is but for a day. But our friend came out of his father's affection for us to confer life that never ends. Jesus came into a world just like that of Aeschylus nearly 500 years before him in which the violent and the powerful, in Zeus-like fashion, imposed their will on the little people in one form or another. Jesus's and Paul's fellow Jews had lived with their necks under somebody's boot for a half millennium. Into this world, a fragile baby is born to raise up generations of armies of cheek turners and tyrant slayers who by their goodwill and answering love will found hospitals, abolish slavery, gather discarded infants, rescue girls and boys forced into human trafficking, to be the largest source of poverty relief the world has ever seen. 
God's amazing grace showed up in a stable in Palestine. He came not for the notables, the worthy people, the strong and powerful. And he came not because we were good, but because we were not. He came in full recognition that we were, as Paul says in the verse just before today's reading in Titus, foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. No surprise, Paul says, that it's not by righteous works that we have done, but by Jesus's mercy. Another way of saying his human lovingness, his philanthropia, that he saves us. Jesus came to show us we couldn't dig our way out of the pit, think our way out of our confusion, work our way out of our debt, but he could by showing us a different way in his parables teaching us a different life in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount and in Luke's Sermon on the Plain and inviting us to a whole new way of being in the mutual indwelling teachings in John. And then, friends, paying a price we could never afford, pinioned voluntarily on a cross, not involuntarily on the side of a mountain, with thorns in his brow, nails in his hands and in his feet, and a spear thrust into his side, taking all of our sin into a lonely grave and burying it there for good, leaving it behind as he emerges to begin a new life, his life by the Spirit in us. And rather than, rather than a narcissistic deity like Father Zeus, sending a bird of prey after our friend from heaven. The God of grace in our passage today sends the dove of the Holy Spirit to wash and regenerate and renew us. As a result, our affections change. We become not lovers of self, but lovers of God. Not lovers just of our own people, but lovers of strangers. Not lovers of evil, but lovers of goodness and lovers of family members. Out of God's deep, kind generosity, his philanthropia, we become the reason philanthropy is known as philanthropy, generosity for others. May you know this Christmas day and each day hereafter, what the Father has shown you in the gift of his Son, his utter fondness for you, his unspeakably kind intentions toward you, and his never-ending, repeat, never-ending affection for you. I offer in closing the collect of the Incarnation. O God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature, grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever.